You're listening to The Dollop. This is an American history podcast. Each week, I read a story from American history to my friend... Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. You don't? Nope. Never do. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. <laughs> Gareth... Get some Viking in. It's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do this shit. There you go. Yeah. God, you want to hit a dude? I'll do one bottle. <laughs> people say this is funny? Not Gary Guerra. Dave, okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You are Queen Fakie of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. A bunch of religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. Missing done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> Uh, you guys, we're on the All Things Comedy Network, which is a network of podcasts. Go check out allthingscomedy.com. Um, also, this podcast is brought to you by our sponsors on Patreon. We want to thank each and every one of you who subscribe to the podcast. It is very, very helpful. Check out Jose. Just fucking king. He's the king of the castle. Some people are definitely into Jose being mic'd. And I got to be honest, Jose, isn't, Jose does not talk that much. <laughs> yeah, he, him being mic'd. I mean, we could strap a GoPro on him. I mean, I got to be honest. It's not What he would say probably would be that great because he was just looking at, at wood. Well, his English isn't that good either. No. He's not. He still doesn't oh, fully grasp Jose because he's from Mexico. Yeah, his, his Spanish is bueno. August 26th, 1899. Okay. Sure. Martin Tabert was born in Minnesota. He was the ninth of 14 kids. Jesus. Although two of his siblings died in uh, infants. It goes without Isn't question. That? <laughs> that, that is a low number. It is a low you number. You don't really expect to hear like eight. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, they, they did okay. Uh, yeah. Two. Uh, his parents were immigrants. His mother from Austria and his father was from Russia. So he's your classic. American white first generation, yeah, right. Kid. Known for their humor, known for their humor. The Russians and the Russian Austria combo, especially. Just, is, you get sidle up next to them at a party. Oh my god, the the, the timing so fun. Yeah, so funny. Maybe we kill him. Excuse yeah. me. Uh, uh, uh. The family moved to Munich, North Dakota, at some point where they farmed. Starting when he was very young, Martin was given adult responsibilities on the 500-acre family farm. Many of his brothers and sisters had left home already. Sure. And uh, Martin was needed to work the farm. Okay. All 500 acres. All 500 acres. Sure. And he did. Uh, one can assume he uh, that uh, someone spending that much time working on a farm uh, can put in a, a good day of labor, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would you're think. You're a farm guy. You're, you're going to be fucking ready for a, a long day of working. Sure. What, you're leading me. No, I'm just putting I'll that out I'll take your there. hand. Just, Where I'm are we going? I'm just trying to describe what this gentleman might be like. Okay. So he's probably a, a sturdy fella. He's probably strong. When World War I ended, one of Martin's brothers returned to the farm, which gave uh, Martin finally a little bit of freedom. <laughs> he had a brief fight. Thank God you lived. And uh, Martin decided to take a trip to see the rest of the country. Okay. America. Sure. A little eat, pray, love. A little eat, pray, love. Yeah. I haven't seen that. So I don't well, know. me either. But Is you can still do that? hacky references. Even if Is you that haven't what they seen do it. in that movie? Well, Julia Roberts. Yeah. She, I mean, she doesn't go across America, but she, you know, she goes and finds her inner Julia. 
Is that what it is? Yeah, she goes and eats and prays and loves. She falls in love with a guy on the beach. She shouldn't, but she has to. I'm so glad I never saw it. Oh, yeah. She prays at one point. She eats. She loves the pasta. Sounds a lot like Star Wars. What? What part? The part where they go places. Okay. Very, very easy to make that comparison. <laughs> the part where there's humans. That's not... Yeah. There are humans. Well, I don't know if they're humans. They're from, like, Tatooine and stuff. They're not necessarily humans. Well, what are they? Well, they're humans. Look, they are humans. We got to take, take, take a little bit of... I, if you want to take this outside, a, I will fight you over this, sci- and I have a damaged... Look, in a science fiction movie, you got to take a little bit of leeway. Sometimes people from other planets look exactly like humans. Uh, I can't. I can't do this. Well, you are doing it. <laughs> Stop me? <laughs> um, he had money that he had saved up over the years, uh, but he still planned to stop where he could and work part-time. Sure. As he explored America and saw the sights. Right. So far, it's a good story. Nothing strange. This guy heading out. He's probably got a, uh, a stick with a, a handkerchief tied to it. Oh, yeah. Of, yeah. No, he's got inside. the thumb out. He's bindle stiffen. Uh, after a bit of time... Away from the farm, he found himself in Florida. Unfortunately, uh, it, not good. <laughs> Why? Because Florida's a great place. It's been terrible since 1899. Nothing has ever gone wrong there. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, his plan was not going according to plan. The jobs he was expecting to land were few and far between. And when he got to Florida, he was completely out of money. Well, he'll fit right in. Yeah. <laughs> just, just start making math. Yeah, yeah. Probably having a little bit too much pride, he decided not to write and ask his family for money, and he just kept going south. Then he made the terrible error of riding a train in Florida without a ticket. Okay. I thought that's what you did. Uh, No, he got on it. He didn't pay. He got on a train. So on December 15th, 1921, a Leon County deputy sheriff arrested Martin for, quote, stealing a ride on a railroad train. Okay. He probably didn't think much of it at the time, but he was about to become involved in a system that was trying to survive after the end of slavery. The above ground railroad? Um, a little bit of foreshadowing. Okay. I just foreshadowed. Sure. It's a sad idea to tell you that. Right. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for the context. I always like a good tip to foreshadowing. That's what we call foreshadowing. <laughs> well, the look of confusion on your face. Well, there's not a, I, well, I don't understand, yeah. The, isn't that what you want from a foreshadow? Not necessarily. You could go, You oh, want a knowing, mo. Pick that, yeah. Oh, oh, well, you're not going to get that over here. Okay. In uh, 1865, the 13th Amendment abolished slavery for all people, except basically those convicted of a crime, which opened the door for mass incarceration. Section one, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as punishment for crime, Whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. So there's a bit of a loophole. Yeah. No slavery except as a punishment for being convicted of a crime. Right. So it's so now it's just a matter of make sure you charge black people with crimes. Well, okay. That's exactly what it is. Right. A new type of slavery then arrived in the form of convict leasing. Well, it doesn't sound shady. <laughs> Just human leasing. Hey, buddy, you want to lease a convict? Uh, did you say car? Convict. Yes. Well, how many would you like? Two. Okay. I want a two-door. Yeah. Okay, we'll give you two. Great. 
This is uh, Buddy and uh, Stan. We're excited to work with you. They're not actually that excited. Oh. Prisons were uh, built in the South as a reaction to Reconstruction. This was a way to re-enslave blacks. In the late 19th century South, a large prison system was built to maintain the racial and economic relationship of slavery. You could have free labor to do the work. You just needed to convict them first. Right. Right? Yeah, which is... Uh, a system we've employed for a while. It's still going pretty well. Yeah, still happening pretty strongly. Is Jose looking at a plane? Dude, if, look, a, a cop helicopter goes above the crib, Jose's, yeah. you He know, checks it out. Yeah, he checks it out. Hey, he's on watch. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. He has no idea what it is, though. <laughs> I'm sure he he's... Up, he's like, good God, what is that? Oh, he doesn't even... His Every brain... single one that goes by, he goes, holy fuck! Well, because he doesn't remember the last one. Right, no. It's Groundhog all... Day, but every four minutes if you're a cat. Every helicopter plane is terrifying to that. Yeah. Oh, he's licking. Yeah. Uh, a new uh, set of laws, which were called the Black Codes, were created to criminalize legal activity of African Americans. Okay. Sounds fine. We were... Uh, they were made to restrict freed blacks' activity and continue their availability as a labor force. Right. Pretty cool. Some examples included standing in one area of town. Was illegal? Which became uh, loitering. <laughs> okay. Uh, walking at night. Well, by the way, loitering is still one I don't get. Loitering? Yeah. Uh, it's Soliciting, I guess. Uh, loitering is a very arbitrary loitering is like hey knock off all the standard punk uh yeah but we're in line you've been walking around here a little too much for me why actually we're playing basketball jose jose how oh jose jose's on probation jose was just put on probation for scratching the screen for his own good yep no i hear you i have to be a good father well you're not a father He's my, he's my baby. Um, uh, also, walking at night was called breaking curfew. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, many states required blacks to sign yearly labor contracts, and if they refused, they would be arrested as vagrants and forced into unpaid labor. Wait, but so so if you sign a yearly labor contract, right. you're agreeing to like labor for the year, and if yeah. you don't sign it, you're arrested for not signing the contract, and then you're in a labor situation again. Yeah, I'm going to recommend you just sign the contract. Right. It's like That's like when they pull you over. It's like when a cop pulls you over, and he's like, do you have anything in the car? And you're like, no. Can I search the car? No. Well, now I have a uh, reason to search the car, because you're obviously <laughs> hiding something from me. You're like, what the fuck? It's like that, except you're a person. Right. The car's a person. <laughs> we come back to car people. One more time. Full circle. We, yeah. Uh, the very first Louisiana state convict lease contract was signed in 1870. This is a hell of a ring to it. It really does. It's yeah. nice. Fifteen convicts were sent to cut lumber for a railway trestle. The state was paid buck twenty-five a day per man. Wow. So they're rolling it. Lots of it. Rolling it. Wow. Convict leasing was created so that white slave plantation owners could purchase purchase prisoners to live on their property and work. It just sounds very different than slavery. It sounds completely different. I mean, if you're if you were like a slave two years ago and then you're back on the plantation, you're like the fuck no. Wait, wasn't there a war? There was a whole thing we did. We there was a giant thing. Excuse that Excuse me. Wait a minute, sir. I was just standing under a tree, and now I'm back here on the same fucking... That's right. That'll teach you to stand, boy. No, I, we 
did a whole thing. No more war. standing. You lost the war. Ah, now get to, get to Chorin. Answer. Get to Chorin. Choring's not a word. Get to Chorin. Chorin and Horin. That's what I want from my boys on the plantation. I'm going to just walk away. Stepped it up. But if you walk in the same direction in a circle, that's loitering. You'll be back here for another five. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Get to Horin. A bidder would pay an average of $25,000 a year to the state, and then in return, he would basically control the lives of prisoners on his property. <sighs> baby steps, Dave. It's baby steps. Yep. We're not going to be... We can't just jump out of slavery willy-nilly. I like how they figured out... Immediately. They're like, look, our economy will fall apart. Yeah. We still need guys to work for free. What about just arresting guys? And, and they we work for free. And it is so true that we Which still we still do that. We still, we still do. I mean, God, it is, a lot of it is still, yeah. For nothing in prisons. Yep. Uh, so the state would make money and the plantations would profit from free labor. Win-win and... Done lose, and done. Lose for the guy who... Oh, I mean, sure for win, him. Win, but then the guy... Well, yeah, lose. if you think about the human cost. Right. That's right. the lose. But that's then the lose. For business and the state. Business is booming. Oh, win, 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 business win, win. is booming. Lots of wins. These loiterers really know how to pick stuff. And much like slavery, the South wasn't changing their ways. It was a violent and abusive system. The death rate of prisoners leased to railroad companies between 1877 and 1879 in South Carolina was as high as 45%. Is that higher than it was for just planes, like for just regular slavery? I think it depends where you were. Because part of me would think that it would be easier for someone to justify killing someone who was a convict. I completely agree. I, I think, feel like you could make that yes, gap a little easier I think to bridge. Without a doubt. But also, if you kill the slave, no one cared because it's no. your property. Yeah, for sure. But I think but that you there, might you, have someone to answer to if you kill the convict. Right. Or, But also, you could say, well, he was. Yeah, he's being a dick. Yeah, he fell chopping wood. Chopped uh, his own head off. Wait, really? Yeah, he was out here chopping logs all day. I was giving him lemonade. I left for five minutes to go walk the dog, uh-huh. come back. Chopped his own damn head off. Well, Fourth you know one what? this month. You know what? He was a vagrant. They so. keep chopping their own heads off. Have you heard of this Mike the Chicken that's on tour? I've never, not familiar, no. But is there money involved? <laughs> There's lots of money. I'm in. Now, it wasn't without controversy. Many tried to stop it. In Florida in 1911, the House and state voted to end convict leasing. Okay. And go back to slavery! (laughs) But the governor vetoed the bill. Of course. Right. You always forget about that guy. The House was just one vote short of overriding the veto. In 1915, legislation was passed that forbid the leasing of white convicts. (laughs) So let's clean this up a little bit, gentlemen. Uh, let's not, should we not do this to white people? You know what? I think I found a way for us to make this more fucked up. <laughs> let's go with it. I feel like it's not slavery enough. You yeah. Know what I mean, I, I really feel like we've gotten away from our roots. So blacks are still a go. Then in 1919, a law was passed that allowed state convicts to be used to work on public roads while outlawing leasing to private companies. Okay, so it was more just kind of like a government program at that point. Then. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Well, you know, chain gangish kind of. Sure. Cool hand, Lucan. Oh, uh, did I mention these bills were just for state convicts? If you had a county prison, you could still lease them. Good. Well, baby steps. You know what? Keep it local. Yeah. Slavery. 
Keep it local. That's what I always said. Yeah. Th- th- I ran day. on the platform of slavery. Keep it local. <laughs> and uh, so this is the world. Know where your slaves come from. Well, right down the street. Exactly. Keeping it local. Meet Exactly. Support local slavery. Slightly awkward because he lived across the street from me before. But you'll get over but it. Now a slave. Hey. Beat him until it's not. Hi. I'm in charge of the worst stuff. <laughs> I'm president of hell. Uh, so this is the world that Martin Tabert found himself in. After being taken from the train, he was brought before Leon County Judge B.F. Willis, who quickly found him guilty of vagrancy. Martin was fined $25. Now, as we know, Martin doesn't have any money. Right. And he has a lot of pride. So he couldn't pay the fine. Okay. So Judge Willis ordered that he serve 90 days in the county jail. Okay. Now, Leon County Sheriff J.R. Jones took Martin into custody. Of course, the Leon County Board of Commissioners already had a deal for all convicts. Every prisoner that was brought to the jail would be leased to the Putnam Lumber Company for $20 a month. Do you even have jails at this point? Or is well, it just like one? You? Is it just like a porta potty where no, you're you like, we pretend? You don't even have a jail. You just put them in your car and bring yeah, them over to the right. lumber okay. company. Yeah, right. Okay. What's like, jail? Well, shouldn't it be in jail? Oh, we ain't got one of those. Yeah. We cut the system out. Nah. All things, you'll be fine. So he's going to be leased. He has been leased. Now. He's been leased. <laughs> 20 bucks a month. What's his APR rate? <laughs> What's the financing? 3.4. Oh, really? It's not bad. Is that a five-year? How much down? It's five-year. We've got to put about $1,000 down. Well, still, I like that. Yeah. Well, let me take him out for a spin, see but how I feel. the same condition when you bring him back. I understand. And he needs to have a full tank of milk, right? Full tank of milk. Not that many miles on him. I right. Want, you know, the, I get the you. Like I said, I'm just going to run him locally, really. You'd have to be in good condition. Point A to point B kind of stuff for me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. You want to do this? Yeah, yeah, I'm into it. Let me just cool. put my luggage in him. You cool brown hair? Love it. Okay, Yeah, great. I've, I've wanted a brown one for a while, brown Terrific. hair. I love it. Well, this one's going to be. I think you're really going to like this one. I like the look. Got a little bit of a northern accent, North Dakota accent. All right, don't oversell me now. Have Let me figure Fargo? it out have a little you bit. Fargo? I have, what? The movie Fargo. I've... Oh, uh, I just Wait a I just let out that I'm a time travel. Wait a minute. I'm a time travel. God damn it. <laughs> My bad. Now, what is it like in the future? Well, how much is it to Elisa a man in the future? I can't remember. Oh, okay. When I turn sideways, you can't see me. Sorry? Sir? 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 Leon County Sheriff Jared Jones <laughs> took Martin into custody uh, and then brings him over to Putnam County. Uh, the Putnam Lumber Company. Sheriff Jones handed Martin over to the company, but before he was taken away, Martin sent a telegram to his family. Singing, right? Quote. A singing one? Yeah. Yeah, he sent he sent a singing. Like a panda with balloons? It was a bear. I'm not sure right. it was a panda, but it was a bear. Had to be panda. It's the cheapest well, one. No, back then in America, it's probably like a grizzly. I don't think you do a panda back then with all the hatred of... Listen, uh, if the there's Chinese. one thing you can't touch me on the his- history of, it's pandagrams. So, fuck off, with all due respect. Oh, we finally found an area that you know stuff about? Yeah, the Packers and Pandagrams. Okay. Rock your world on either subject. Don't don't ever say rock your world to me. I will rock your world, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Quote, in trouble, in need $50 to pay fine for vagrancy. Please wire money in care of the sheriff. (laughs) 
Well, it seems like he's doing well. <laughs> Good to hear from the boy again. When the family got the telegram, his parents immediately sent a letter to Martin in care of Sheriff Jones. Inside was a check for $75. Okay, a little tip. Dear Martin, I'm sending you 75 so you can pay the $50 fine and have 25 so you can't get no work. There's a lot of misspellings. In sure. Then you will have some money to live on. We could not get no money, M-O-N-Y. Ooh, sad. Till now. Ma would like to have you come home. It's so bad that it happened to you. Ma would like to know why you went down there and how you're feeling. As this is all I can think of just now, so I must close. This is real stream of consciousness. <laughs> it's like a writing exercise. That's how they did letters back then. Don't see, you, can, you have 30 seconds to write everything. Go. When you start writing a letter, you've got to think of everything you can. And if you can't or anything if else, If the you pen stops, it. you have to throw it out. I just thought of something else, but I already said, good day, Johnson. What else was I going to say? Shit, I had something. Forgot what it was. Oh, I remember. Wait, no, that was that other thing. Shit, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. What were we talking about right before this? What was I writing about? Can't remember. Shit. Hold on. Let me get another piece of telegram. My brother. Okay, now, now. now, Wait, wait, wait. I remember. I remember. I remember. It was about seer, 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 sincerely. Okay, brother. that's the end. <laughs> yeah, I quit. Uh, my brother writes the worst letters. It's a lot of stream of consciousness stuff. <laughs> I thought for a minute that was real talk. I was talking about you. I was very convinced. You're very natural. I was playing. Do you bring that sort of uh, acting fortitude to something like Marin? I do not. You do not. Okay, interesting. Good to know. <laughs> uh, we are all well and hope this will find you the same from A.F.E. Tabert. Answer soon, A-N-S-E-R. <laughs> Sheriff Jones got the letter on December 26, 1921. That was 11 days after he was arrested on the train. Sure. The sheriff returned the letter unopened. The envelope was stamped, returned to writer, unclaimed from Tallahassee, Florida, by request to sheriff, party gone. So because he was already in... Yeah, he's already in Lumbertown. He was unavailable well, 20, for 20, life. Twenty bucks a month over there, or let him go free. <laughs> but who's with me? But rights. Whatever. Okay. I don't know if that's a thing. Sure. The sheriff returns the letter unopened. The envelope was stamped. Retired. That. Uh, that was all the information the family got. So they figured Martin had found some way to get his hands on money and had gotten out. Quite an assumption. So they just waited to hear from him. Well, Quite they, an assumption. Well, they just figured since the party was gone, that makes sense, right? You would think... Unopened? Uh, uh, it's shady. Okay. I think they wanted to believe that it worked out. The Taberts logically assumed that Martin had found some method of securing his release. He's probably just a millionaire by now. <laughs> Good Lord. I mean, look, I they didn't open it. I don't know, but that's what happened in a movie. What? He'd be like, I own a baseball team now. What? Yeah, in a movie. I need you guys to help me run it. <laughs> He's probably just sending a new telegram about running the baseball team. <laughs> so they wait. Now, Martin had been sent to the Putnam Lumber Company convict camp to serve three months. According to ex-convict Glenn Thompson, things went south for Martin right away. Thompson said he had seen many tortures in the convict camp. The men worked in waist-deep swamp water. Their feet would become sore, and their bodies were often, quote, a mass of sores. 
So I was picturing like a lumber yard. Well, now think, this is the South. I guess they're we're going back a so few... They're, they're in swamps. So we're going back a few steps as far as collecting the lumber goats. Right, so they're going out into swamps to cut down trees and right. shit. It's a fucking nightmare. That sounds fun. Uh, and there was nothing done to medically help them. Right. Martin was suffering from weeping sores from standing in the water and because of the condition of his shoes. Weep. Uh, weeping sores. Okay. Ointment! <laughs> Ointment! Yeah, those are the kind. Okay. Actually, I think those are whining sores. It's all right. Um, so his legs were swollen and, quote, diseased. He could hardly drag himself around. Because he was sick and weak, too weak to do the work that he was supposed to do, he was often knocked down and whipped. That's always the best way to get someone's energy level I up. I agree. More so, give, give the feet sores like some competition on the I, back. I agree. Open up a couple little areas there. Wait, are you being sarcastic? Is that no, it? no, sir. No, I me me no I, me. Okay, okay fair. come on, no, no, I mean it. I know. I mean this. That's the best way to handle it. A man named Walter Higginbotham was <sighs> quote, the quote whipping boss at Putnam. Oh, he must have been such a pompous little shit. Oh, the worst. Have you ever met a cool whipping boss? What, what was his name again? Walter Higginbotham. You ever met a good Higginbotham? Never. I don't think there's such a thing. No. Higginbotham and he has a whip? I say! He's a whipping boss. He's not just a whipper. I mean, he's the boss of Oh, whipping. he's the one who sort of goes around and is like, more arm! More, yes. Use your core! That's him. Yeah. Whip better, son, or you're out of here. Come on! Uh, so, that's actually the job title. That was the job title at this Probably place. a nice bump, though. Hey, um, I'd like to apply for a job. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're hiring whippers right now. Oh, I'm a whipping boss. I know. We're hiring whippers. We don't need no boss. We got a good whipping boss now. Really? What, what do you think you're better? <laughs> ah! Who's this man? I got all kinds of mad skills. Those are good sound effects. I have mad flow. What? I have mad flow. I'm David, the whipping boss. Dave. Hello. Dave. My flow is maddening. David. I have the maddest. Dave. <laughs> Martin. Martin asked Higginbotham for a bigger pair of shoes, but the whipping boss just ignored his pleas. A few days later, now in late January, Martin said that his groins ached. Uh, Dave. Dave. I, I hope he doesn't have weeping scrotum sores. A doctor was called. Uh, uh, by the way, that's always the best call. Doctor, come quick. We need you to look at the groins. Oh. All or just? Uh, most of them. A lot of, the, a lot of the groins are really, really swamped out. What are you guys doing in there? Ah, well, we're, we're not. Listen, I, I'm not going to lie. This is not going to be pretty for you. The doctor lanced one and then. Do left. you know what it looks like when a scrotum gets pruney? Uh, like, it's like when a prune prunes. How do you just. How do you just. Gla just go right past lanced one? Hmm? He lanced one. He lanced one what? A groin. Who did? The doctor? Yeah. I was mid-bit. He lanced... <laughs> he lanced a groin? Yeah, that's what it said. In the... You mean he removed a groin? No, he lanced it. Well, a groin's not a testicle. A groin is like a... Isn't it like a muscle near the... I mean, I've always sort of... I mean, it is technically a muscle, but I feel like the groin is also that whole area. Like if well, someone gets hit in the balls during a basketball game, they'll say the groin. Yeah, that's true, but that's just because they can't say balls on TV. If they could, what a world. Yeah. Took one right in the balls. Oh, 
would be the best. His balls must be hurting. Looks like he's got that tummy ache that comes after you get punched in the balls. I would start watching basketball again. Uh, yeah, so they, he lanced he lanced one. So he removed he removed the like ligament. Or it was pussy because it probably had like a lot of sores in it or whatever, and he slit slit that bad boy open and pussed it out or whatever. You call Look, it. there's no good answer. I think so. the medical term is pussed out. Yeah, yeah, no, the medical term is pussed out for sure. He left some medicine. PIO'd. He left some medicine for Martin, so that was nice. Oh, cool. A day or so later, Martin was then severely beaten for not working fast enough. Right. Well, you know, the recovery time they say on that is 45 minutes. It's hard to get going after you had your groin length. Well, you're going to have to figure it out. You're full of complaints. Give me new boots. Let my groin heal. On a two-mile walk to the swamp for a day of work, Martin could not keep up. Why? When the comics... When the convicts returned, the comics, comics and the comedians. <laughs> hey, what's the deal with this bullshit, huh, guys? Who's getting their groins, Lance? Huh? <laughs> when the convicts returned to camp that night, Higginbotham made Martin lie on his stomach in front of the other 85 convicts. Then he pulled up Martin's shirt and gave him about 30 licks with a four inch strap that weighed seven and a half pounds. What sort of. What, that's, isn't that just a chain? I mean, what is that small that weighs that It's leather, that much? so it's a thick, Jesus leathery. God. Martin groaned and screamed for mercy. He was twitching, so Higginbotham put the heel of his boot on Martin's neck to make him keep still. Then he gave him 40 or 50 more licks. Mm. When he was done, Higginbotham told Martin to get up, but Martin was slow getting up for some reason. Well, I can't imagine the reason. Yeah, it's weird. His groin's been removed, and he's just being drained through lacerations. Uh, also, he'd been, you know, he had been hit seventy times with a whip. So yeah. I would imagine that you're you're slow. Literally slow, takes it out of you. You're slower than yeah, yeah. Higginbotham said, "Quote: You can't work yet, eh?" And pushed Martin back down on the ground. And Maybe we're having a miscommunication. <laughs> the more you beat me, the harder this is for me to work. Uh huh. Okay. Well, I'm the women boss. I only know one thing to do to motivate people. No, I'm telling you. I ain't the hug boss. More bees with honey. Would you like me to be the hug boss? <laughs> no, no, you wouldn't. Here Not it comes. right now. Here it comes. Close your eyes. <laughs> Gonna be great. He hit him about 25 more times. Good God. And he told Martin to get up again. And when... He doesn't he, understand what he's doing. And when he did, Higginbotham tried to hit him with the handle of the strap, and he missed. Martin then staggered around in a half circle while Higginbotham hit him over the head and shoulders. So, so <laughs> yeah. So that was a bad night. Yeah, sounds tough. After the beating, Martin was unable to move from his cot. Pussy. Apparently, the smell coming from his quarters was said to be horrible. Ugh. What? Well, I don't Look, even. I mean. People who have been whipped almost to death smell bad. You know, I just always thought that was a stereotype. No, it's real. It's an actual thing. And we now we know it from history. You smell bad. You smell you so stinky that I almost don't care about you. Insult to injury. Right. And then he he just oh. comes in there, he's like, Quit smelling so bad. Whip, Whip him. Uh Higginbotham looked in on Martin and said he thought the boy might die. And Martin I don't did. know from what. Martin did die the following night. Oh, Jesus. Then a doctor came and declared... Right on time. ...and declared that Martin had died from pernicious malaria. Yeah. No, it'll get you. Yeah. 
Well, it, it might have like been that. from all the holes in his back. Don't think so. I really don't. No, the malaria might Web have MD gotten it. in. WebMD it right now. I the, guarantee you they're going to say malaria. Well, he has no skin on his back, so the malaria might have gotten in there. That's what I'm saying. That's what he was. He had about. a bunch of open highways to malaria traffic. He's like an open malaria back. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, take care of your back. You won't get malaria. Dude, yet. fucking take care of your whips, hey, dummy. Thank you. Also, Come on. the guy's got an open groin. Yeah. By the way, cover up your smelly groin, pal. I mean, he's like... Some of us are trying to eat chowder. He's like saying, hey, malaria, come get me. Hey, guys, enter through the groin. It's the VIP entrance. Martin's family then received a letter from the Putnam Lumber Company. More good news about your boy. Explaining that Martin had been sentenced to serve three months in the county prison system and had been sent to the Putnam Lumber Company convict camp. It stated that Martin developed a fever along with other complications and died. The company had carried out all burial arrangements. Company officials extended their sympathy to the family. Obviously, the family was shocked. Yeah. I guess he didn't make a bunch of money. The... What about the baseball team? I think we might have gotten caught up a little bit that night when we were talking about it. No, but there's a baseball team. No, but I was going to become the oldest guy to pitch in the majors <laughs> on Martin's baseball team. The Tiberts felt like something was wrong with the story. Why hadn't he been released when they sent the money? Hmm. Good question. Interesting question. Good question. That's a refrigerator question. That's one you ask yourself when you're at the refrigerator right. after the movie. Hey. Wait a second. You're raping up yawning. I went to the racetrack today. I saw that. I did. I did lost. you win? No, I lost so much fucking money. You got very pompous on the Instagram. You said you were going to own that place by the end of the day. Well, that was the first race. That's, that's, what, that's how they get you, apparently. That's how gambling works, by I By the hear. fourth, it was totally a different story. <laughs> by the fourth, I was jerking off horses to get another ticket. <laughs> Can I get my ticket now? Also, Sir, little, who told you that that was a thing? Little tip at the racetrack. Don't look strangers in the eyes. Really? Yeah, I want to talk. Oh, right. It's They're one of those. all very lonely people. Sunglasses. Uh, so the family asked their lawyer, Norris Nelson, to look into what had happened to Martin. Nelson wrote Sheriff Jones and the Putnam Lumber Company and requested details of Martin's death. The company wrote Nelson and said at least all of Leon County's male convicts and was responsible for their care and welfare. They said they were inspected once a month by a state and county supervisor. The camp physician had diagnosed Martin's illness as malaria fever, but said Martin refused to take his medication and then <laughs> developed pneumonia. Wow, they really, I mean, no connection to reality. There's also a lot of, uh, hey, can you tell me how Martin died? We take care of our convicts here very well, sir. We like have just, a veterinarian for the convicts. Just went straight to like, yeah. They have nice beds and everybody's taken care of. Why does each one of these start with, are you calling me a liar? I was just asking how he died. Are you calling me a liar? We do very good things here. <laughs> Whipped him to death? Who said anything about whipping him? Then at the end, the letter tried to throw the blame on Sheriff on the Sheriff Jones. Okay. Quote, we did not understand why the sheriff of Leon County should have told the people he had gone and did not accept the money for his release. Just throw that in there. Fair, fair point. Sheriff Jones wrote back and told Nelson. Fuck that you. That if anything had gone wrong, it was the company's fault. Jones said when he sent Martin to the convict camp, Martin was physically healthy. He admitted, quote, there was some money wired to him here after he was gone, but I could not get it as it was sent in his name. I therefore returned it. Yeah, well, you know, your job's done at that point. I 
the problem with the money is that it was made to the guy that was supposed to get the money. And that was a big problem. Anyway, your boy's dead. So, can we stop writing letters? If only only there had been a way to get the money to Martin, wherever he was. There is a way. If only there had been a way. There is a way. I'm just saying if... There was a way. But what I'm saying is... Get it to him. I wish there had been a way. Have him take it. Yeah, but there wasn't. That's Mm. sad. Feels like... The Tabbert family now knew Martin had fallen into, into the hands of the lumber company, and at first they believed the story of his death. But then, in July 1922, ex-convict Glenn Thomas, uh, Thompson wrote a letter to the Munich, North Dakota postmaster asking whether Martin's parents knew or would care to know about Martin's death. These people must have been tired of getting letters. Yeah, they were like, how? no more, there's never anything good. You just think about how, how communication worked back then, you're like, I know he's from Munich, North Dakota, so I'm just going to send a letter to the... Dear Postmaster... Yes? Would anybody be interested in this man's death? Why, as the Postmaster, I think maybe... I didn't expect that at all. That's not the guy I was expecting. That's me, the man who wears two monocles. (laughs) I'm in charge of the post. When the letters get out of line, I whip them. <laughs> More taffy? No. Is this guy throwing confetti? Oh, yeah. These, are le- these letters are cut up, and they're full of confetti. Are you throwing confetti and glitter into the air? That's right. Glitter. Yeah. <laughs> Fancy a parcel. Of course, the family wrote asking for information. That's when the floodgates opened. Thompson? Oh, you want information about the death. Oh, you've come to the wrong place. Thompson wrote and told them all about the whippings and the horrific treatment their son had received that led to his death. And then other convicts wrote, one saying Martin had lied, had died, sorry, a quote horrible. <laughs> Your death. son's a liar. <laughs> Fuck you. Here's a letter for you. Your son's a fucking liar. <laughs> Send money. Good day. Uh they also, the, also that he was barbarously murdered. Another ex-convict inmate wrote that he would have, quote, scars on my back caused by all the beatings from the brute Higginbotham, the whipping boss. Now, the Talberts knew they had been lied to by both the sheriff and Putnam Lumber Company, but they couldn't believe such a system existed in America still. <laughs> so, so they're with us. Yeah. So they uh, they went. I guess they had they were a prominent farming family. So they went and they talked to the North Dakota state attorney, and they asked him to go to Florida and investigate what had happened. So the attorney went down. What a the time. state attorney went down to Florida. What a time! What a fucking time! You you, you bet you I will. Well, also, you've got- <laughs> also there are just nine families here in North Dakota. <laughs> so I've been excited to do something for a while. I really wanted to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I've been hanging oh out with the God. postmaster a little I'm too many much. Times I've watched Fargo. Wait, what? For what do you mean watched? I'm turning sideways. Hello, hello, hello. It's me. Do you want a bowl of stamps? <laughs> I'm eating them like cereal. He's from uh, Wizard You're from the Wizard of Oz, right? No. <laughs> I'm my own invention. Uh-huh. One of a kind I am. <laughs> oh, God. So he goes down there, and sure enough, it was as bad as the convicts were saying. 
The uh, North Dakota attorney said the sheriff, quote, was little better than a slave catcher. He got $20 for every male convict sent to the camp for 90 days. That meant he wouldn't want a convict to serve less time than his time uh, if the money came in to release him. So, right. Yeah. You want, a, you want the more that. time, the more money. Yeah. Yeah. You got to hit your quota. The uh, attorney also revealed the lumber company was a Wisconsin-owned corporation. Don't glare at me like I invented this shit. Worth 800000 and that their profits were in- increased, quote, by the labor of unfortunate men picked up and forced into their custody through trivial violations of the laws of the state of Florida. Look. Look. How do you feel, Cheesehead? Good. You know what I mean? Uh, a good company is a good, good scheme is a good scheme. I can't yeah. take it. Get out of here. That's not uh, well, that's what? Not, okay. Smart business. Trump's America. Um, 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 um so uh so they go to the they go to the North Dakota legislature who forms a Martin Tabert committee and the AG's findings were presented. Okay. The North Dakota legislature then asked the Florida legislature to act. One North Dakota state senator laid it out, saying Martin had died from torture inflicted by Higginbotham and that the sheriff and lumber company had lied to the parents about their son's death. North Dakota asked Florida to investigate and punish those responsible. Florida governor... Here we go. What? I'm sure they were like, you bet we will. Of course we will. Florida governor... Do me a favor, throw this in the goddamn garbage. And no, wait, I forgot to shit on it. Florida Governor Kerry Hardy replied that Florida's reputation had been harmed by the accusations. It's true. If any, I mean, Florida took the sort of metaphorical whipping in this situation. That, that is true. Right? And that is sometimes, those scars run deeper, Dave. That is a very innocent Sometimes very those scars run deeper. Innocent state. Yep. Uh, he insisted that no state treated its convicts more humanely than Florida. Mm-hmm. And there'll be no more information or follow-up and questions. That is that good day. <laughs> and because I said it, it's true. In this letter, I'm slamming a door in your face. <laughs> All right. Uh, he listed the benefits given to Florida's criminals, mm-hmm. but still agreed that, quote, if criminal responsibility attaches to anyone connected with the affair, he will be promptly and vigorously prosecuted. I feel, in view of these facts, that the accusation of the North Dakota Senate served no useful purposes. Good. Good day, sir. Take care. But he promised to hold a grand jury. Oh, don't worry about that. The grandest of juries will be held. And the Florida legislature was on it. They ordered a joint House Senate committee to investigate Martin's death and widened it to all convict camps where cruelty had been charged. Okay. The Putnam Lumber Company was not alone. There were reports of brutality from other convict camps, including some... Owned by members of the legislature. Now, are you hmm. seeing any? So, if they have a vested interest in allowing the beatings to happen through that leasing system, how can they investigate it? Don't worry about it. Okay. Let's take another one of these magic pills. At the same time, Sheriff Jones denied he was even involved and said an investigation would just exonerate him. (laughs) (laughs) All you'll do is prove that I'm innocent. Clearly, I had nothing to do with it. All I was doing was selling, guys. That is such a great stance. You'll exonerate me, you fools. On April 10th, 1923, the grand jury investigation began. 
Higginbotham was charged with the murder of Martin, which he denied. He admitted <laughs> he admitted flogging Martin, but said the beating was not unreasonable. Right. That's right. It's not the tasing that gets you, it's your weak immune system. And then the malaria gets in. And then the malaria you know sinks many, in. You know how many guys who have been tased and then... They get malaria. And then they get malaria. He died of AIDS. He got it from the concrete. Nearly half to half. Somewhere in there. Sure. Those numbers check out. I love out. math. Sure. Uh, and there were tons of people lining up to testify against Higginbotham. Wow. Yeah. They better hope he gets out. I mean, gets thrown in. Uh, because it was said that he beat white and black convicts alike just for the sport of it. Can we take a moment to smile at some progressive behavior? Right? See, that's one thing no one has pointed out in this story. He's beating them equally. Yeah, he's not racist. I like this guy a little this bit guy, better. This guy... He hates equally. Yeah. It's nice. I think this is a guy that's... Refreshing. Like, we have our hero. <laughs> we do have our hero. Ex-convicts, fellow prisoners of Martin, former convict guards, and employees of the Putnam Lumber Company testified. Former convict John Gardner described, quote... How the lashes were applied by dragging the strap through sugar and sand between each lick. Oh, my God. Yep. Oh, that's like blood sport. It is like blood sport. Ugh. Wait, the movie? (laughs) No, the musical. At the same time. By the way, it's a great music. (laughs) At the same time. My best friend is paralyzed. (laughs) He's paralyzed. I'm from Belgium. Do not want to fight the monkey guy. (laughs) Monkey guy, crazy guy. And the monkey guy comes out. Nobody understands me. (laughs) Nobody gets my moves. I fight like a monkey. (laughs) But the real truth is I'm worth so much more than what I'm fighting for. Monkey man. Monkey man. Four people have seen this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Those four, though, are having a good little time. time. Uh, so at Monkey the, Man, he is the best. He is the best. They should just do a. They should do a, a, a weekly a monkey weekly sport. show about the monkey martial arts guy. He's still losing in every in second matches around the world. Do you think it's a real type of martial arts? A guy that uh, there. Um, uh, it feels a little a Street Fighter two to me. It's pretty fucking. Great. Feels a little invented. All right. Well, I hope it's real. Although Capoeira looks a little crazy. Thank you. What? I don't know. At the same time, the legislature, uh, which also formed their Martin Talbert committee, yeah, airtight, be- began the hearing. Sheriff Jones was the first to testify. He admitted that he received twenty dollars for each convict he delivered. Uh, they then questioned witnesses. John Gardner testified that he had been whipped three times within a week and around fifty licks each time, and then Walter Higginbotham did the whipping. Gardner had been beaten so severely that he was unable to lie on his back for 30 days. He testified that Higginbotham had brutally flogged Martin before he died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to help the malaria get Thank out. Thank you. Jerks. It's a way to get malaria out of Jeez. a person. Have you ever saved anyone from malaria? Uh, I'm not a doctor, but I know how to help people Didn't from malaria. So. Yeah, unbelievable. You know, go to any. You try to help some people. Thank you. Higginbotham testified, quote, The whipping was administered following reports submitted by one of the guards in charge of Talbert's squad, in which the prisoner was accused of shirking. Shirking? Shirking his duties, yeah. Oh, shirking his duties. I was picturing like a shrug. 
What are you? What are you doing? Did there? he just shark? Hey, <laughs> you son of a bitch! Higginbotham said that when Mark- be ambivalent around me, will ya? <laughs> Did you just? Are you just neutral? Higginbotham said that when Martin reported that he was ill, a doctor was sent for and medical attention was provided. Higginbotham mm-hmm. said he still concluded that Martin was not doing his job according to orders and administered a light whipping of 10 Lights, licks. an afternoon Very, snack. You know what I would describe it as? A leather kiss. Yeah, exactly. Leather kisses on his back. Oh, I'm sorry. I was putting sugar on the belt because I wanted him to have a little fun. Thank you. Okay. This is going to wake you up. He had a sweet tooth and eventually sweet back. He said he had not held Martin in position by placing his foot on his neck. Oh, that's foolish. This was completely countered by other convicts who were present for the beating, as well as others. A Mr. and Mrs. Walter Lyles were fishing near the convict camp and could hear the whipping. Jesus. It's so hard to catch fish when you're... You just hear someone being whipped. Well, plus the smell. I mean, it's really like fishing is like a tranquil, almost meditative sort of thing. And when a guy's being whipped... That man being slowly murdered for four hours is really taking me out. You're scaring the trout! Okay. I counted, quote, I counted 57 licks and then got tired of counting. At first, I heard screams, which grew weaker and weaker. And finally, there was only the sound of the lash. It's weird when you miss the screams. It is weird when you miss the screams. Boy, I wish he was still screaming. I feel bad that he can't scream anymore. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Oh, there's a trout. Oh. Dr. T. Kepper Jones was brought before the committee. He was the camp phys- physician who had pronounced that death resulted from pneumonia uh, with malaria complications. <laughs> okay. Pneumonia with a side of malaria is what we're calling <laughs> Thank it. Thank you, sir. The committee grilled him, and finally Dr. Jones burst out, saying the real cause of death was syphilis. All right. And that, Are you happy? And that he didn't want to report it because it would embarrass Martin's family. Thank you. I've covered up every man's syphilis in this camp, and blood there have been many I, whose backs have burst open from syphilis. Fine. I guess I'll violate bro code. <laughs> he was syphilitic, you monsters. Ah, <laughs> uh, sir. Sorry, Sir. I guess I'm about to party foul all over the court. Sir, there is no broke. Your Honor, may I, may we? Bro code. Uh, no, stop saying bro code. Uh, I'll allow it based on the truth of bro code. Uh, keep going, sir. I believe uh, I also adhere to a bro code myself. Your Honor, I think we all uh, adhere to, to a bro code. It's the oath you take when you're born with a penis. But... In this case, Your Honor, I would say that there is no actual bro code. Because you're not a bro. Legally, in the state records, the 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 laws of our state, uh, the, officially a bro code, Your Honor, is not... Sustained. An actual... Which one's sustained again? Code. You know, I fuck your sister. So Excuse me? Do not believe in the bro code. Broader! Broader in the court! Broader! Oh my god, when we eventually pitch bro court... Bro court. That's gonna be the best show Yeah, ever. yeah. Welcome to another episode Welcome, Judge court. Sweet! What about a bro... What about, like, one of those... One of those shows, like Judge Judy, except it's just a bro. Oh, and it's all, and like, it's bro stuff? bro court, and he's got, you know... 
He's got the hat backwards. He's got on a Lakers jersey. Today's bro Fendon is coming into the court suggesting that the playing bro ruined his boombox by spilling a case of Coors Light on it. Well, your bro honor, uh, Steve ate all the pizza. Your bro honor, your bro honor, if I may. This has nothing to do with what we were eating before any of this, okay? Come on, bro! At the end of the day... Bro, you know that's not bro, true! Bro, bro, let me finish, bro. Bro, bro if she have questions for you, we'll ask you. I brought a sweet, sweet stereo system uh, to the beach on. for the bonfire. Dude! I, bro, Dude. bro, bro, Dude. bro, bro. Broder in the broad. Now listen to me, okay? <laughs> listen to me and listen good. And he came over and he spilled a pitcher of Coors Light Dude, on the only way. Bro, bro. You know I didn't spill that. You know it was Lisa. Come on, bro. Bro. Come on, bro. Bro. Why do you always got to throw that big bro, on me? Bro, you brought Lisa, bro. You brought Lisa. She's attached to you yeah, as a bro. You brought her into the circle of bro. Her, dude. Uh, not I even, dude. I don't. I fucking. You know dude, I tried to fucking dude, get rid of her, dude. Dude, I sleep my case. I sleep my case. I sleep my case. You brought her? I, I, I let. I let. The hands of Brostis decide this. Your Honor, can I just say right now that we are no longer bros? Whoa. All right, bro. Whatever. You both present sick arguments. <laughs> really sick, sick arguments. I'm able to follow everything totally clearly, bros. So good fucking job right off the bat. Oh my God. <laughs> that was the longest riff ever. There's probably some people that are really mad or like, get back to the story. Hey, more monkey man stuff. Uh, come on. We've really gone. This this is a story we've really gone off a couple times. <laughs> I think we've created two shows. I think we have. Let's not even release monkey, this one. Monkey martial arts and solves crimes. Oh. And then bro court. <laughs> monkey artist? <laughs> and it's a musical. All right, where was I? <laughs> Who knows? Oh, right. So the uh, so the the doctor says that he had syphilis and that he wanted to embarrass the family. The uh, committee recommended. Oh, that's right. The committee recommended the doctor uh, that his testimony be sent to the state board of medical examiners and that quote the medical profession be purged of a seemingly unworthy member. Oh so wow! They were not down with this. So it went well. Yeah, they did. They bought it. They didn't buy the syphilis. Okay. Thing. When the committee went uh, with a former convict, Arthur Johnson, to exhume the body. Oh, well, that is going, I mean, Oh, you Jesus. thought the smell was bad when he was alive. Oh, now he's a hot pocket. <laughs> <laughs> so they drive over to uh, the Putnam, uh, you know, uh, farm or whatever it's called. And Putnam they're met by a large group of armed men. Okay. Putnam supervisor... Captain Bill Fisher walked up to Johnson right when they arrived and said, you tell him where you buried Talbot if you know what's good for you. So it's all very professional. Then eight men with pistols stepped up behind Fisher. Johnson was visibly terrified. (laughs) Good. They drove on with Johnson directing them to the grave. As they did, 10 cars followed them. When they arrived at the spot, the committee and Johnson got out of the car, and 30 armed men got out of the other 10 cars. Oh, my God. A member of the committee then yelled at the men that he would inform the governor and newspapers of their intimidation. Okay. They spoke amongst themselves, and then they hid their guns. Who thought that would work? 
the body was not found. Oh, okay. They let him go. Representative Mayo was the chairman of the House Committee and a huge fan of condiments. Of <laughs> Right. One day, he pulled out a whipping strap, which was four feet long, two and a half inches wide, and weighed a pound. He looked at it and said he didn't think it could do much damage. This old thing? This little tiny fella here. This is a feather. This is a feather. I use this on my... But then he... I tickle my wife. I didn't want to. Uh But then he uh, said he heard it would uh, be covered in syrup and dragged through sand, so that might give it more effectiveness. He also added that the instrument that killed Martin Tabert had weighed seven pounds. A little bit, six pounds. A little heavier. A little heavier. Martin, uh, sorry, Mayu also held up Tabert's clothes. The pants were tattered and shredded off at the knees. He remarked that it was a good bathing suit. So. Levity. So he is being. It's a little bit levity. Okay. Huh? Come on, if we can't laugh now, what can we Come laugh? On, guys, how about some jokes? Come on, guys. Come on. Come on, lighten up. What's the, yeah. It's the mayo roast. Oh, my God, there's a toe in here. Oh. <laughs> uh, on April 24th, the committee concluded that Sheriff Jones and Judge Willis should be removed from office. Governor Hardy agreed, but Sheriff Jones didn't. Shocking. When he was asked if he would step down, he said, quote, resign from office, huh? Well, not until they kick me out. I have been grossly misrepresented by a bunch of ex-convict and fellows that I have discharged from office. There is not a bit of truth in the stuff they have told the committee. I can prove it. As for resigning, no, I'm going to stay in the office to the last minute. Is this one of the first times when someone's like, nope? Because that's what they do now. They're like, no. It might be one of the first. And yeah, you just, yeah. No. Like when some, as soon as someone figured out that we wouldn't push it to the point where right. they'd actually have to go, they just waited out all the time. It's time for you to go, sir. No, I'll just hide for two weeks and then you guys will forget. He's probably right. Yep, he was. He's right. But the evidence against the evidence against the sheriff was piling up. An ex Leon County jailer testified that the Putnam Lumber Company had made a deal with Jones to railroad men into the lease system for cash. Others testified that Jones ordered his deputies to start a crusade against people uh, who were stealing rides on freight trains and charged him with vagrancy because it put money in his pocket. He and the judge convinced people to plead guilty on the pretext they would be given only three-month sentences in jail. In the seven months before the sheriff and lumber company made their deal, 20 men were arrested as vagrants riding trains. Jesus. In the next seven months, 154 men were arrested. Oh, my God. And Jones pocketed $2,500. The Senate, could you imagine how fucking vile of a human being you have to be? You have to be a monster. A fucking monster. Yeah. No, it's like you were talking, it's like when we were talking about torture. I mean, it's like you have to be put in this world where like it does make sense and then you live in that world long enough and you're like nothing wrong with this (laughs) it's fine the senate then removed sheriff jones from office uh it was the entirety of his punishment judge willis was also removed i said that already the committee was also concerned with the convict treatment elsewhere in the state and the investigation expanded there was quite a bit never good Never good to hear Florida and investigation expanded in the same sentence. 
Uh, there was quite a bit of evidence uncovered of convict brutality in the turpentine camps of Baker and Bradford counties, which were owned by State Senator T.J. Knapp, who just happened to be there in the committee room as a member of the committee. Mm. Awkward. Yeah. Knapp uh, had been one of the very first two bids submitted when convict leasing began. And he's on the... And he's like... Of course he is, because he's a rich guy. Of course he's going to be on the fucking Senate. Yeah. It all runs together. Yeah. He continued running a convict camp at his turpentine pine farm for years through a, quote, even though a, quote, startling number of prisoners were missing or dead. Oh, God. Nab had run into trouble in 1923 when a prison inspector dropped by the camp and found a 19-year-old convict nearly dead. The inspector said Nab was running a, quote, human slaughter pen. Wow. That's very, uh, very graphic language. Pretty graphic. Used. Yeah. Human, human slaughter, slaughter pen. pen. Very different from a We are human pen. slaughter pen. <laughs> Two, three, four. <laughs> <laughs> the 19-year-old's hands and feet had no skin. That's well, actually super hard to work. Well. I've tried. I've tried to work without. You use the back of your hands. hands. You can use the back. You can of your use hands. the back, but it's still really hard. Just bitch slap everything you need to pick. That's true, but it's trust me, trust me. You pick up a peach without. Uh, oh, skin I could on easily eat a peach with you just the really? back of my hands. Yeah, with the back of your hands. I know peaches like the back of my hands. Okay. This conversation's over. I wanted it to be over a while ago. He also had ulcers on his leg. And uh, fractured ribs. Well, take his groin out and his heart. The teenager had been beaten and whipped almost every day by the camp's whipping boss, John Roddenberry. He had been arrested for vagrancy while walking down a street. Yeah, you can't do that. No, you're not allowed to walk down the street. Hey, I was you. just going home from work. Exactly. Really? Or were you just. So fucking... you admit it. You don't have a family or a home. You admit it. Sheriff Jones, who was still. This is before he got relieved. Oh, cool. Arrested Roddenberry. For cruel and inhuman treatment of convicts. Wait, he arrested a guy he arrested who was beating the convicts boss from the turpentine convict camp. Is that the weirdest arrest that happened? I would say so. Uh, hey, John. You treat him like shit. Uh, so this is kind of awkward. Uh huh. I'm here to. You know how I keep giving you guys, and you keep beating those guys up. Yeah, yeah. I love what we got going on. We've got a good partnership. Okay, so I'm gonna arrest you. Yeah. Huh? I'm gonna arrest you. <laughs> Sorry, I I laugh when I'm uncomfortable. But <laughs> what are you gonna arrest me for? I just murder. Uh, you do. You you taught me almost, this. Almost murder. You taught me how to murder. I know it's weird. Trust me, I it's super awkward for everybody, mostly me. Probably more you. You're getting arrested, but it's weird. Don't you think it's weird? I think it's really weird. Okay. I'll say I like your moxie, but I think it's really weird. Okay, so I'm gonna need your whip. <laughs> well, that's. Can I lick the sugar off it first? <laughs> I'll tell you, one of the one of the fun little twists to our operation. Yeah. Syrup and sugar I together know. is delicious. Bro, half the reason I'm arresting you is so I can lick your whip. Uh you wish that last part wasn't said. You don't want to talk about it. All right, we'll see you. Uh at a committee hearing, a social worker named Thelma Franklin testified. As Senator Nab looked at her from the panel. She said 21 prisoners had died the year before in Nab's camps. She told the story of five boys who had stolen the senator's car who were arrested and 
would have gone to the state prison, but the charges were suddenly reduced and they ended up in county prisons. Oh, man. One of the boys died. Oh, man, they reduced our... They reduced it. This is so great. We're going to die. One of the boys died in Nab's camp within a week. She also told the story of a man named Jimmy Beach who came to the camp begging for food. Nab arrested him, took him to court, where he was sentenced to six months for vagancy, vagrancy, and then given back to Nab. He died within days. All the deaths the social worker reported were declared natural deaths by the camp's doctors. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Happens. This is how it happens. Yeah. It is natural cause when you get whipped to death. The Baker County Commission revoked Nab's prisoner camp lease and brought all the prisoners back to the county jail. Okay. That was on March 5th. Then on March 19th, for some reason that no one could understand, the Baker County Commission voted to send all the prisoners back to Nab's camp. These prisoners are like, God damn it, I just can't get comfortable. I just got the skin back on my hands. (laughs) I should finally use my hands again. No, because clearly he was like, I'll give you double money. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Then a group of businessmen from McClenny paid all the fines of the prisoners to get them all released from the camp. That's so great. Everyone was released on May 1st, 1923. They must have been 100% they were going to get beaten. Oh, fuck. I'm sure they were. This is a trap for sure. We're all dead. Yeah. Then three days later, a fire destroyed a large portion of the McClanny business district. Coincidence. So. So they should have done that. Probably lightning. Yeah. Despite all this, no one would be punished or do a day in prison for all the deaths and brutality at at Nab's camps. (laughs) The irony. Ugh. Higginbotham went on trial for first-degree murder on June 5th, 1923. The trial was held in a Baptist church. The defense asked for a change of venue, and 100 locals signed letters saying they couldn't be impartial because much of the county was owned by Putnam Lumber Company, and almost everyone in the county was employed by the company. Oh, good. But it wasn't happening. Former convict guards testified, and the whipping boss... Uh, testified against the living bus, sorry, breaking down how Martin died. So everyone's just against Higginbotham. Right. Everyone's like, fuck this guy. The defense attorneys did not deny that Martin had been beaten. Interesting. I'm excited for where they're going with this. But argued that it was within the law. Okay, right. Because uh, they called their own witnesses who said only eight to ten lashes were struck, which was the legal amount. But, okay, so, well, first of all, that's crazy. <laughs> let's just, let's put that away for a minute. That's crazy. But also there were so many more, Pete. I mean, he got lashed way more times, but their, their argument is that he was, he Ten. was lashed within the legal limit. Yeah. Ten. So it's almost like a breathalyzer. Yeah. Oh, he could have had another two lashings and been fine to drive. The defense said Martin had died of pneumonia and brought Dr. T.C. Jones again as a witness. But Jones had said in his report that there were no signs of trauma on Martin's body. What was he? Was he just looking at his scalp? What he was didn't he? Give a shit. He was just like, yeah, you got another one. All right, just bring a bring a paper over here. I'll sign it. Yep. So that didn't go great for the doctor. Uh, although six expert witnesses backed up Doctor Jones' statement. Ah. Uh, 
There was Jesus. also almost a fist fight during the trial when the defense claimed one of the state's witnesses had been offered a bribe to testify. The prosecuting attorney had to be held back from beating him up. <laughs> Hagenbotham testified he had no choice but to whip Martin. He had not worked at least three times, and he received only eight to ten lashings. Hagenbotham also said he had not placed his foot on Martin's neck, just like you said before the uh-huh. committee, right? Higginbotham was found guilty of second-degree murder and sentenced to 20 years. How much time did pneumonia do? Uh, thank you. Then Higginbotham was released after posting a $10,000 bond. If anyone needs to go to a lumber camp. <laughs> the case was reviewed by the Florida Supreme Court in 1924. Because of a legal technicality, the Supreme Court reversed the decision and granted Higginbotham a new trial. But this one was to be held in a different county, Dixie County, who dragged their feet. So Higginbotham went back to work for the Putnam Lumber Company. What? Why are you looking at me weird? He went back to work as a whipping boss? Yeah. What else is he going to do? Look at his resume. He can't. What's he going to do? Data entry? Guy's got one skill. What? This is what it's like when you're Weren't like, you just on trial for murder? Yeah, yeah. I'm taking a breather. They're redoing it. I'm just going to murder a little bit until that picks up again. You know what? I'm so tense. I just need to beat some guys, get back to what I was doing. I figure, well, I'm here. Just make a little scratch. Well, at least they put him in a different location, though. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, that same year in October, Lewis P. You hear we're getting a new whipping boss? Boy, I wonder what he's going to be like. <laughs> Hope he's a good one. Hope he's cool. The last women boss was terrible. Oh, yeah. I, I had a hole all the way through to my kidney. I remember that. That was fucked up. We put food in it. Oh, man. Those are the days. People, A lot of people haven't heard that episode. Oh. Well, I don't Screw know. them. All right. So in the same year, in October, Lewis Peanut Parker, Peanut's his nickname. Always good. A black convict worker was beaten and shot to death near the camp. Now, when you're shot to death... That's hard to explain. You mean malaria to death? <laughs> Higginbotham, who was still under bond, and uh, John H. Winburn, a Dixie County deputy sheriff, and four others were indicted for first-degree murder. After that, Higginbotham was then retried in Dixie County for Martin's murder. He must have, his schedule, his wall calendar must have been oh, full. so hard. He was found not guilty. Oh, good. He was about to go on trial for the second murder when he was seriously injured in a car accident. A doctor said he was physically unable to appear in court. There were no further attempts to punish him or the others for the second murder. Wow. Well, someone had a fender bender, so that's the end of that. He has whiplash. He's free to go. Cannot help this. Sorry to your family, but we can't do anything about the man. Guess it was malaria. He hit a car. Martin's family brought a suit, a civil suit, for $50,000 against the lumber company. They settled out of court for $20,000, and in return publicly stated that the company was absolved of all willful blame. So That must have been easy. The public had uh, known little of the way the convict leasing system worked. The record of brutalities and killings uncovered by the committee focused the public's attention on the cruel treatment of prisoners. People became increasingly vocal against the lease system, not just in Florida, but throughout the U.S., Many other states had already outlawed the practice. For the first time, individuals and organizations were openly opposed to this kind of penal system. Floridians, like the mayor of St. Petersburg, said it was not only inhumane, but un-American. Oh, 
and the tourist business was suffering suffering from the bad publicity. Oh, there's the problem. <laughs> That's the reason why someone got moral. Even the governor of North Dakota said, quote, unless the existing evils in connection with the leasing of convicts are corrected in the state of Florida, a great many things, a great many of those who go to Florida for the vacations will be constrained to visit other states. <laughs> so this is this is the modern, this is the old version of today's modern day when they pass laws against gays using bathrooms. Right. Yeah. This is the Yelp review. Yeah. The, no, it, this is this is l- the exact same thing we're boycotting now because they won't let right. transsexuals use the bathroom of their choosing. Yes. So now you don't go to North Carolina. Right. But in the in those days it was for killing humans. Right. So we've come a little we've come I'm a little saying ways. we've made progress. A little bit. So, because tourism, tour, tourism was I'm for unisex bathrooms. I hear you. I hear you. Let's I just mix too. it up. I say just have one bathroom. Who gives a shit? One bathroom. Put a fucking stall in there, and everyone can pee wherever the fuck they want. Yeah. Who gives a shit? I mean, granted, we'll have the seat up, seat down argument a tremendous amount. A lot. That's going to be a problem. That'll probably go to the Supreme Court. That would be the greatest Supreme Court case ever. Uh, we determined that the seat should always be left down. Come on, your honor! Finally, that'll teach you. I kept falling in. I basically drowned my bottom last night in the middle of the night. Don't say drown my bottom. I drowned my bottom. On this podcast. I sunk right into it. Florida State Senator. Stuck on me like a barrel. Florida State Senator. Wiggled around like a tail. McWilliams introduced a bill to abolish the lease system, and it passed the Senate April 20th by a vote of 31 to 1. I bet that one was that. <laughs> that one that guy. Had to have been that, right? What is the downside, people? <laughs> Show me one thing. Look at all this temper I got. <laughs> the ba- debate continued in the Senate, and a few senators... Oh, no, this is where the nab is. A few senators said they would be in favor of a modified lease system. So they're like, let's just change it a little bit. Sure. Blacks only. One of those men was TJ Nab. Okay. Of course, the idea of a modified... Lease system didn't go over well with the KKK, who said Nab and the others were human devils and bribe takers and traitors. They were warned that if they continued their stand, they might receive a hundred lashes or a coat of tarred feathers. I love that. So they're mad at the guys who run the convict camps and are killing people because they're going to modify, because they're going to give a little bit. They're going to give a few inches and try to change it a little bit. And the KKK. Like the KKK. Oh, you will. That's the last place we can actually kill black people. The KKK stepped in so that you could be like, we agree with them. Thank you, KKK. Jesus Christ. On May 12th, 1923, the Senate passed a bill prohibiting the use of corporal punishment on county convicts. The House endorsed this action by a vote of 61 to 8, and Governor Hardy signed both bills. Despite that, Senator Nab expanded his turpentine empire. His brother William bought into the company, and they became the biggest turpentine suppliers in the United States. Fortunately for them, in 1923, when the legislation ended convict leasing, they also passed a debt-to-hold law. It said that anyone who accepted anything of value on a promise to perform labor and then failed to do so was guilty of a misdemeanor and subject to a $500 fine. Anything of value could be something like a ride to the camp or a payday advance for tools. Wait, I'm confused. So they got rid of... 
So they got so they got rid of you could you couldn't just grab a guy off a train and arrest him and then put him in a camp. Right. But what they did do was set up a system where if you were in debt, if debtors would do this, it's basically yeah, it's like a debtor. So now it's like a debtor's prison. Jesus God! <laughs> what? It's it's almost that's almost worse. It's almost getting like weirder. It's if it's for jaywalkers. In 1937, William Knapp and his son were investigated by the FBI and indicted for holding workers by keeping them perpetually in debt to the company. They were literally stopping workers from leaving at gunpoint. <laughs> well, that's not okay. William Knapp was acquitted. It took the jury just 30 minutes. Oh, God. By 19- that's lunch, right? Let's get out of here. By 1938, Knapp tur- Turpentine was 125 acres of pines or 1,250,000 trees. William Nab died in 1971. His son, Jimmy Nab now runs Nab Lands, sitting at the same desk in the same room where his grandfather did years ago when he was holding men like slaves. Allegedly. I'll throw an allegedly. Are they still turpentine? Uh, I don't know if they still make turpentine, but they have something called Nab uh, Lands. Probably, I would imagine. Uh, to quote Jimmy Nab today. Oh, God. My granddaddy never kept anyone as a slave or against their will. Mm-hmm. Because I said so. Because why should that be a thing? Because reality's tough to swallow. Today, private companies lease factories in prisons, as well as lease prisoners out to their factories. Private corporations also run prisons for profit. Government-run prison factories operate as a multi-billion-dollar industries in every state and throughout the federal prison system. In the San Francisco neighborhood of Bayview-Hunters Point, a longtime black community with a 50% unemployment rate, the locals are facing criminalization, incarceration, and mass displacement, displacement due to gentrification. San Francisco has implemented gang injunctions, curfews, anti-loitering, and anti-association David. laws that are very similar to black codes for black, Latino, and Asian youth. Gang prevention that pushes young men into the prison system to become prison labor while the community is gentrified and redeveloped. Today, debt helps to keep American prisons full. From today's New York Times. Oh, my God. Quote, in the last 25 years, as mass incarceration became increasingly costly, states and localities shifted the burden to criminal offenders with an explosion in special fees and surcharges. In Oklahoma, criminal defendants can be assessed 66 different kinds of fees from a courthouse security fee to a sheriff's fee for pursuing fugitive from justice and even a fee for an indigent person applying for a public defender. Wow. So people with no money are charged for a public defender, which they're guaranteed by law, which puts them in debt. Which is, and Plus you get court fees, which add up, which mean you have to take plea deals that give you shittier... And then they're put in prison. Shittier deals longer. and make you go to jail. Yeah. And then you're part of the, the prison system yeah. where you are used for free labor. Happy, well, happy, joy, joy. Yay. That was a good, fun story. You know, Yay. sometimes I like to do one that's not uh, a Debbie Downer. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you like, like to do the, uplifting ones. Yeah. Yeah. Ones that don't make you feel bad about today and ones that make you happy. It's This is just a, it's just a great, it's a great thing. Well, it is crazy. I mean, there are so many statistics. Like, w- you know, we are the only industrialized nation that has this many prisoners. I mean, it just... No, it's... It is... The cr- it is. 
I mean, to say that our prison system is broken is to say that a man who had 109 lashes on his chest died of malaria. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we get some stuff to work out in America. Well, a couple things. Well, the purge will be fun. The purge will be good. Oh, we're so close to the purge. I'm excited. Um, we sign cars. Yeah. Hey there, people listening to the dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I listen. I have a new podcast called "We're Here to Help" that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it. After it. Let's see you there.